You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, everybody? I hope you guys had an awesome 4th of July weekend. Coming off this weekend, I hope you just, I hope you were just overflowing with freedom and pride for this country because it's a fantastic place to live. And I love this country. I'm sure all you guys listening love it too. And so, yeah, I just want to throw a huge thank you out to anybody that had anything to do with this country's freedom, be it military, first responders, EMTs, doctors, farmers, ranchers, anybody that has anything to do with making this country as great as it is, thank you. And thank you to all the people who listen to this podcast and celebrate that freedom with us every week and do this thing that we love, whether it be hunting, fishing, Whatever it is, anything outside, uh, you know, the United States is a great place to be outside and enjoy all the fun activities we get to enjoy. And so I hope I don't sound too corny saying that, but I absolutely love this country. I love living here, and I love the freedoms that we have to get to do just about anything we want. So, yeah, welcome to the show this week, guys. Uh, I'm going to talk a lot this show. Uh, you know, last week I didn't really get to do much of an intro. I wanted to save the save it uh, all the time for you know the show, and it was a great one. I hope y'all enjoyed that. But uh, you know, I haven't get, got to give you guys an update on what's been going on, and I've had quite a bit going on. So I got a pretty long list in front of me that I want to update you guys on. Just kind of let you know, let you guys know where I'm at. 
with uh, my endeavors, my outdoor endeavors, and you know, getting ready for this upcoming season. And so I'm going to back up to two weeks ago. I finally got to do something that I've talked about a lot um, and been wanting to do. I finally hauled my boat out and put it on one of our big stock tanks, uh, you know, one of our properties. It's about a three to four acre lake. Um, it's pretty clear. It's got a nice rock bottom. And I've been dying to put my boat in it, and I finally did. And so I know it's a little ridiculous to put a full-size boat in a stock pond, but that's what I did. So I didn't use the motor. You know, I just used the trolling motor, but it was just very handy. Like, I had live wells if I needed them, had all my stuff there. I could get around the pond and have to worry about chiggers and snakes and all that stuff. And so I just had a grand old time. It started out a little slow. I got out there probably about 530 and uh had I had everything. I brought uh I brought my you know bass tackle box, I brought my crappie tackle box, I stopped and got some minnows. I was ready. And so started off I was just kinda doing some relaxing bobber fishing, uh caught several perch, wasn't catching any bass. I was a little surprised by that. Um but but it was still fun. And then as it got a little later in the day, I finally started, I caught a bass and I kid you not, I think I have a picture of it. I'll try to post it on Instagram. This bass was like not much bigger than the minnow that I used to catch it. Uh, maybe I wouldn't say it's the smallest bass I've ever caught, but it's pretty close. Um, but it was a bass. And so I was like, Hey, you know, maybe something's happening. A couple minutes later, uh, catch a slightly larger bass, still not very big, but you know, getting there. And this pond has always been really good, uh, or top water stuff has always been really good on this pond for whatever reason. So it's kind of getting to that prime time, you know, the last like 30 minutes of light. I switch over, throw the top water on, and it went insane. Like it was, now it, I, I say that, it was awesome. Like the fish were biting like crazy. For whatever reason, I could not catch the suckers. And so I want to throw this out to anybody who's listening, anybody who is a better fisherman than I am. Y'all, I probably hooked... I don't know, at least 15, like pretty good sized bass. A couple of them, I was like, they were hitting it twice. Like they'd hit it, you know, I'd be reeling them in and I don't know if they were spitting it or if I was just using a cheap lure or what, but like they kept getting off and there was multiple times where, you know, I'd set the hook, be reeling them in, they'd get off, I'd keep reeling in and bam, they'd come back and hit it again or a different fish would hit it again. I don't know. And, uh, but man, I just kept losing them over and over again. I was getting so frustrated and I finally kind of turned, was going down the dam and I basically, like I purposely got the boat a little closer and I finally started getting some in the boat. I think I caught four pretty good ones, you know, like over a pound. And, uh, like I've said before, like this, this pond is overstocked. I'm actually kind of working on that and trying to take some fish out, but, um, you know, they were pretty decent fish for this pond all, you know, maybe up to two pounds, nothing massive, but, but fun fish to catch, you know? And so I finally started getting a couple in the boat. And what, what was weird was like, once I finally got one in the boat, I think I only lost like one more, like it, it, I, I didn't change anything. I was, I was frustrated, you know, maybe I was trying to keep it, keep the line tighter or something, but uh, you know, there's only much, so much you can do once they bite. Uh, but anyway, I, I got like four pretty good ones in the boat. So that was really fun. And then it, man, it was weird. Like as soon as it got dark, they just shut off. And so I had like a really fun, you know, like 30 minutes. Um, then they kind of shut off, um, after it got pitch black, you know, I took the top water off, threw a bobber back out there with the minnow. Uh, I was actually trying to catch some crappie, uh, ended up catching one more decent bass. So I think that brought my total up to, 
uh, I think that was seven bass, like five decent ones plus the two small ones and then five perch. So dozen fish, you know, I'm not going to complain about that at all. Uh, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I didn't catch any crappie, which like that, like when I put the boat in the water, like my whole goal was like, I want to try to catch some crappie. Didn't catch a single one. I did see one. I watched one swim by my boat, uh, but it wasn't very big. Um, so anyway, but that was a lot of fun. Finally got out there on the water and got to do some fishing. Um, and then the next day I stayed up there and I was switching modes to deer mode to deer season. I, uh, finally got a few cell cameras out. And uh, so I put, I have my two Bushnells, and then I have my cell camera from my Cuddy Link system. And I didn't put all the, the cameras out for the Cuddy Link system. I just I just put the cell cam out. Uh, just honestly, I didn't have enough places to, to put them out and enough time to kind of, you know, do the whole thing. So, but anyway, I uh, stopped by the, by the feed store and uh, picked up three trophy rocks. And as I've mentioned before, I, I like... A, a rock and not like a granular mineral because I've tried using granular in the past and the hogs just come and take it over and eat it and like roll in it and everything else and so so anytime I do mineral I always do like a block or a rock you know some kind of hard uh, one piece thing they just it just lasts longer last longer with the hogs and so some of you guys might have seen my story on Instagram uh, you know I put one kind of on a field edge in the corner of a pasture where I've gotten a lot of good pictures in the past. And then I put one kind of in a lower area next to a a, uh, a natural creek. Um, I figured, you know, it's cooler down there, has water now that it's getting hot. Put the trophy rock out. And uh, both those two setups were I put my Bushnell cameras on. And I don't know if I did something wrong with the setup or maybe there's just no deer where I thought there would be deer. But it's been almost two weeks. It's been about 10 days since I put those out. And I've yet to get a picture from either of those cameras. And so this coming weekend, I'll get to that in a little bit. I'm headed out there. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to check those. Like I said, it was probably user area, user error. Sorry, not area, user error. Um, but I'm definitely going to check into those. And then uh, my third camera, I went to the different property. I went to the river property that I've talked about, um, the one we bought for hay production. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure out if there are any deer at all on this place. And so I kind of went to, like, one of the thicker areas and uh, put the trophy rock out, the cell camera. And that one I was worried about it having service because it's kind of a low area. I don't have very good service on my phone or really hardly any uh, on my phone. And so that one I put a backup camera, uh, just a normal Bushnell camera. So that way if the cell camera works, great. I know it works, uh, but I had the backup camera in case it didn't, you know, just to make sure I wasn't going to miss anything. And I have gotten two pictures from that. Uh, one of them, or well, I'm assuming both were a doe. One of them, the doe was facing the camera and then the other one is like its back end. Um, but it, they were a couple days apart. And so I'm assuming it was probably the same doe, but I can't guarantee that. So um, I'm really curious whether I'm going to see any bucks there or not. I just, like, I, I feel like there's probably some deer there. I just don't know if there's going to be a mature buck there. There's just zero cover. And I've talked about that property enough, so I won't bore you guys. But, uh, but yeah, so really curious about that. So that was all two weekends ago, I think. And then this last weekend, uh, my wife and I actually, I went back to the Speedway a uh, second time in, in a month. Um, Texas Motor Speedway, that is for the Ducks Unlimited Expo, and it was huge. They had, like, I think there was four different areas. They had, like, a kind of a general thing inside the track itself. And then if any of you guys have ever been there or driven by it, they have, like, a big pond out in front. 
and they actually had like a fishing deal set up around the pond. It was really cool. They actually like were letting people go out on the water in kayaks, and uh, I, I know I saw kayaks. I think there was a pedal boat, and they were letting people like try out fishing lures, like you could cast into the water. And I don't know if there's any fish in there, but people were sure trying. So, so that was pretty cool. And then they also in the back they actually had a live shooting range, which I don't know how they got that worked out, um, but they were shooting live guns just outside the city limits of Fort Worth, Texas. Um, but yeah, so they I mean there was all kinds of gun brands there. They each had their little booths, and then they had uh, a separate deal next to the firing range. And I think it was like a dollar around. Uh, you can shoot pistols, shotguns, rifles, whatever. You basically just bought the ammo, whatever ammo you wanted, and then you went to whatever gun manufacturer you wanted. You could shoot ARs, rifles, pistols. Um, I know I saw one target that was at least 100 yards, if not further than that. And then they had several, like, you know, 50 and under for pistols and shotguns and stuff. And so it was really cool. I can't believe they let them do that. And then uh, right next to that, they had a little archery uh, section. And uh, they had live targets. They had kids' archery. They even had, like, super small kid, like, you know, blow-up targets and stuff for for the young kids. And so that was really cool. Uh, Cinnamon Creek, if anybody are familiar with that, they're, uh, they're a big bow shop just north of Fort Worth. Uh, they were there, and they had a bunch of different bows. Uh, checked out some of the new Matthews bows. Uh, they tried to sell me one for my wife, and my wife really wanted it, but you know, it just wasn't that type of day. Um, and then what else? They uh, they had some elite bows, all the major brands. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Currently, I'm shooting a, a Matthews Triax, and I absolutely love it. And I just I don't really see a need to buy a new bow. I was never one of those people that bought a new bow every year anyway. Um, I bought this bow I think three years ago, whatever year it came out. I bought a Triax. And, uh, and yeah, I just like, I love that boat so much. I just don't really see a need to replace it. And so I'm pretty good to go in that area, but it was fun seeing the new models and, and getting to hold them and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, so that was last weekend. And after that, uh, we came back home and my wife and I, uh, went to the lake with some friends. And so, yeah, it was just a grand old time. So, so yeah, that's, what's been happening with me the last couple weeks. Um, this coming weekend, which is, if you're listening to this, the weekend has just passed this 4th of July weekend. We got all kinds of family stuff planned on Saturday. Uh, one of my nephews is actually born July 3rd. And so we're having a little birthday party for him for lunch. And then I think we're going to go to the lake with uh, my brother and his kids and wife and stuff. And then after that, we're going to shoot some firework, fireworks off with the kids. Real excited about that. And then my wife, who is uh, one of those amazing EMTs, uh, medical workers that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast, she's a rookie. So she obviously got called into work on July 4th. And so, um, so she's going to have to work on Sunday. But that kind of works out for me because... I'm going to go out and, and do some deer stuff. And so I got a, a long list. I literally actually typed it out because I have so much that I want to accomplish. Um, I'm kind of using it this day to clear out uh, the property that we're selling. And so I got to pull down some, some stands. Uh, I got to pick up some feeders that, you know, we're not including with the sale. Uh, some ground blinds and stuff that's been sitting out for way too long that I need to pick up. And so it's going to be kind of like a an errand day. I'm going to pick all that stuff up. If I have some time, you know, I'd love to go put it out um, on our other properties. Um, but a lot of it's probably just going to get set next to the barn to do later. Um, I have one whole blind feeder pin set up that I need to move. Um, it's, it's already in place at my brother's place, but I need to move it about 100 yards or so. Um, I, when, when I set it up, uh, nobody hunted the 
property next to us. And so I set it up a little closer to the property boundary that I would normally do. And since that time, somebody has bought it. And so I just want to be, you know, respectful and not hunt the fence line. And so I'm going to pick the whole thing up and, and move it over a little way just to get some, some, you know, room there. I just, I don't want to be that guy. So, uh, so yeah, got to do that. Um, one of our setups that we did last year, I never got around to building a feeder pen and it got absolutely destroyed by hogs. Um, it was, it was like the only feeder on the property that we didn't have fenced. And I, I'm, I'm not kidding guys. I don't think I got a single deer picture there all year. Um, because it was the only feeder that the hogs could get to. And so like, I, I couldn't kill them enough. Um, I shot them. I had buddies come into town that, you know, were more interested in shooting hogs than deer and they shot them. But we just, like I said, that was the only feeder they could get to. And so, so yeah, I'm definitely want to get that fence this year. I uh, don't have a lot of funds, but I think I have enough leftover fencing stuff from last year that I can, that I can get it fenced off. And so, so yeah, that's a long rambling deal of what I've been up to and what I plan to do. Uh, I might get a few more cameras out this weekend. We'll just see how, what the time does. Um, again, like I'm not, uh, I just, I don't feel like it's that pressing to get them out. I kind of know what deer are there. I kind of know where they're going to be. And so I'm not in like a huge rush to get all my cameras out, but it is fun. You know, I enjoy velvet pictures. I enjoy seeing what the deer are going to look like. And so I don't want to downplay it too much because I do really enjoy, you know, getting my cameras out there. So, so yeah, I think that's going to do it for this, uh, really long intro. This might be the longest intro I've had all, uh, this whole time, but, oh, I forgot to say one more thing. Sorry. I know I was about to end it, but one more thing, one exciting thing happened at the, uh, Ducks Unlimited Expo. Uh, I was wearing a Oklahoma Outdoors podcast shirt that my wife had made for me and, you know, I was meeting people and, and, you know, kind of trying to get my name out there and I actually met someone who had heard the podcast and knew who I was. And so that was a first for me. I know it sounds lame, but it was pretty exciting. And so I kind of feel like I've made it like somebody knew who I was. So, uh, yeah, if you're out there listening, I, I remember you. I got your card, and uh, I'm going to contact you later. But uh, So, yeah, I just had to throw that in there. Okay, now I'm going to be done with this intro. And uh, today, kind of a shorter podcast most likely, but uh, I'm going to walk you guys through just like – basically what I do on a hunt day from the time I wake up, how I get ready, what I'm thinking about, what I'm doing, uh, how I'm picking which stand I'm going to go hunt, what I'm doing when I get, when like when I park, uh, what I do walking to the stand, getting in the stand, how long I hunt, all that good stuff. And I feel like this is a good time to do this because this is the type of stuff that you need to be thinking about this time of year. You know, you don't want opening day to get here and try to get everything sorted out the night before. Like you should have all this stuff working in your mind right now. And so I'm just going to kind of walk you guys through my process. Again, it'll probably be nice, short, and sweet this week. Uh, it's 4th of July weekend and you know, I got things to do. So, uh, but yeah, so I'm pretty excited about this. Actually, this is something I've had in my mind and I was just kind of waiting for a more appropriate time. But like I said, I think this is a good one to do this time of year because you guys should be thinking about how you're going to approach this hunting season right now before it is too late so so yeah i'm gonna quit yammering and uh, i'm gonna get into this week's podcast so i hope you guys are ready for it uh, i'm gonna probably title this something along the lines of how i hunt so what i'm about to talk about here is basically my system when i go to hunt this is kind of what i've just evolved into over the last several years and uh it's just kind of my system it's what i do i pretty much do this every single time 
It's how I know that I'm ready. It's uh, how I get everything packed up, how I get to my stand, what I do in my stand, what I bring with me. And I just try to make it as consistent as possible, mostly because I'm a very forgetful person. And so when I kind of have a habit and, you know, a plan, it just makes it to where I don't forget anything. So that's the biggest reason I do all this. But I just want to kind of talk you guys through basically what a hunt looks like for me. And, you know, hopefully you guys can get some ideas and tweak it to your own needs and, and what you do. Uh, but more importantly, like I said in the intro, like I just want you guys to kind of be thinking about this now uh, before it's go time. And so... For me, let's say I'm going to hunt, doesn't matter whatever day it is, it can be a Saturday, uh, you know, I'm going to be pretty limited to weekends this coming year, so we'll just pretend that it's Saturday. Uh, my hunt usually starts the evening before, usually right before bed, and I'm looking at two things. I'm looking at the date, and I'm looking at the weather, and I include the wind and the weather because they're kind of, you know, the same thing, but uh, they play their own role, but they're the same thing, so... Uh, we'll start with the date. I'm looking at literally what the date is on the calendar, what the deer are doing based on about what time of year it is. And so, you know, I might change my plan a little bit based on whether it's early October versus mid-November. And that's what I'm talking about. And so I'm thinking about the time of year and I'm thinking what I think or what I believe deer are doing in that time of year. So that's where I start. The next thing I do is I look at the weather and I'm looking at temperature some. Um, I don't say like temperature doesn't dissuade me from hunting that often unless it's just blistering hot. Um, then I'm going to kind of look at my cameras. If the deer are still moving, I'm still going to hunt. If it's really hot and I'm not seeing anything on my cameras, then, you know, I may not go. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking at the temperature. The main thing I'm looking at, though, is the wind. Um, as I've mentioned many times before, everything I do is based on the wind. And so I'm looking at, you know, what they're predicting and I'm running through all my stands on my head and I'm picking out which ones I can hunt with that wind. And then when I kind of get that list sorted out, then I'm kind of referring to my trail cameras, you know, what I've been seeing, what I've been seeing where and what time. And so using those two things, the wind and what I've been seeing on my trail cameras, that's how I pick out the stand that I think I'm going to go to the next morning. And so I got all that worked out the night before. The next thing I do is I usually go into my little man room or, you know, wherever I keep my stuff and I make sure all my gear is packed, you know, my bag that I'm going to take with me, make sure my bow, make sure I have arrows. You know, if I shot one, I make sure I replace it and so on and so forth. And uh, I just make sure all my gear is ready to go. And then typically I'm going to run my clothes uh, through some ozone. I have an old model Ozonics. I think it's like three models ago. I don't even remember what model it is. Um, but I'm usually running my clothes through uh, some ozone. And I typically just do it for like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I have one of those little closet things. And so I spread it out. Um, a tip that a guy actually from Ozonics gave me a couple years ago that I've been doing is it's good to like move the clothes around because that ozone's only going to kill what it touches. And he even suggested, you know, running it for a little while and then flipping the clothes inside out and running it again. So it gets all the stuff on the inside. And so I'll usually, you know, do that. I'll, I'll at least kind of move them around to kind of get more surface area. Sometimes I flip them if I'm really feeling into it, but I don't flip them every time. 
And so just make sure everything's ready. And I want to throw this out there at this point. I am not a morning person. Not at all. Like it is a chore for me to wake up and go hunting and get out the door. And so I try to do as much of that prep the night before so that I don't have to do it in the morning. So so my gear's ready to go. My clothes are usually run through the ozone. And then usually, like, when I lay down, I'm on my phone looking at the weather and, you know, what they're predicting the wind. And usually during hunting season, I can usually give you a pretty darn good five-day forecast, you know, or, like, at least what they have forecast. Like, I know if there's going to be a weather change or a wind change or if there's a chance of rain or whatever. Like, I'm I'm pretty savvy on that stuff during hunting season. And so I usually kind of already have in my mind what I think it's going to be, but I just kind of double-check. So anyway... I uh, go to bed, sweet dreams, all that. When my alarm goes off the next morning, it's game time. The first thing I do is actually roll out of bed and get up so that I don't, I don't fall back asleep because that has definitely happened before. So I get out of the bed, make sure I'm awake, and then I'm back on my phone checking the weather. And again, namely the wind. I'm just double checking. You know, Sometimes it's crazy, especially if it's more variable. Um, make sure the wind is still saying what they say, or at least think that it's doing. And then I go to my man room, I put my clothes on, and I'm out the door. Grab my gear that's already packed, and I'm out the door in the truck. Um, in the truck, I have a little mini ozone that I got for free. and some, for, I don't know, I signed up for some package or something and got a little mini ozone thing for free that plugs into my cigarette lighter. And so I'm usually running that in my truck, and uh, and I do not stop on my way to the property or the stand if I'm staying on the property doesn't matter where I am I do not stop at a gas station I don't fill up with gas I don't stop for donuts or coffee or any of that I you know if, if I need gas I get it the evening before I I usually don't eat or I'll have something uh, with me you know some peanut butter crackers something light and I'll eat that on the way maybe drink a red bull but I I don't stop and get out of my truck um and, you know, like, you're never going to be perfectly scent-free. Like I said, I, I do eat stuff while I'm wearing my camo, but I'm trying to limit that scent as much as possible. And so I'm not getting out. The other thing I'm doing in my truck is listening to some ACDC because I kind of get pumped up. Mostly I just got to stay awake. Like I said, I'm, I'm just not a morning person. So I'm listening to some, you know, some ACDC or some faster country, something to kind of get me jacked up and, and going. And so I always get to the property plenty early. Uh, you know, I, I my goal is to be completely set up and ready to go 20 minutes before legal light. And so depending on where I'm hunting, I have to get there earlier or later. Uh, you know, at my dad's place where I hunted a lot, there are very few gates or anything like that. And so you kind of just drive to where you need to be and get out. When I hunt my brother's place, active cattle ranch. Um, you know, there's one stand where I might have to open seven gates if, you know, if the cows are lined out just right. Um, and so I have to get there way early just to accommodate for opening all those gates. But I make sure I get there plenty early. And then where I park is different for each stand. Um, you know, I've, I'm thinking of one in my head where I park and walk over a quarter mile because there's just not a good place to park and hide the truck. And, you know, based on the wind, I usually have to loop around a long ways. And so I usually have to park really far away. Um, there's another stand in my head that I'm thinking of, though, where I park. I'm, I'm not even sure it's a full hundred yards from where I park to where my stand is. And it's one of my most productive stands. But just the way it works, the terrain and the wind, um, 
I can get away with parking that close for one. And two, uh, the truck is always going to be downwind. And I've, I've never had a problem spooking deer or them hearing it, or it's just never been a problem. So I keep doing it. And so, like I said, where you park is going to be based on what you can get away with basically. And it is much better to be further away than closer. I know it's a little extra walk, but walking an extra hundred yards is definitely worth it. If you think of, you know, potentially spooking that big buck you're after. So definitely recommend don't be afraid to walk. So once I get out of the truck, that's when the real hunting begins, you know, that's where stuff starts getting serious. And so when I shut my truck off, I pull the keys out and set them on the dash because I don't want it to ding and everything like that when I open the doors. Um, usually in my vehicle, I have it set to where the lights won't come on if possible. Um, I just try to keep it stealthy, you know. That's a lesson I learned a long time ago. Pull the keys out, put them on the dash. A lot of vehicles, that stops the dinging and stuff. If it doesn't, look in your owner's manual because you can probably turn those dings off. So just throwing that out there. Once I step out of my vehicle... The first thing I do is I take a few steps away from it and I feel the wind and I just confirm that what I've been checking on my phone is real. And, you know, if you've been paying attention, this is the third time that I have checked the wind. I checked it once the night before on my phone, once that morning on my phone, and now I'm confirming what that forecast has said. And there's been times where the forecast has been wrong and I've had to change it up right there on the fly because it just, you know, maybe they predicted southeast and it's straight south or, you know, southwest, whatever. Just depends. Um, there's been other times where it felt good at the truck, walked in, got in my stand, and it was just terrible at my stand. And so check the wind when you get out of your truck and just kind of confirm that it's doing what you think it's doing or what it's supposed to be doing. So once I do that... I grab my gear, and I, I'm i I'm pretty much a minimal, minimalist when it comes to gear. I have a little satchel duffel bag thing that I got for Christmas a couple years ago. It's not very big. Uh, I think they sell them at Cabela's for like 20 bucks. It's just a little bitty bag, and that's what I carry uh, all my stuff in. And then I have my bow, and that's usually pretty much it. Um, you know, if, uh, if it's an evening hunt, I might have a little bit ba bigger bag to carry like my jacket and stuff. Cause I don't wear, I try not to wear big, heavy, thick clothes when I'm walking in. Cause I know I'm going to get hot and sweat. And so I might have a little bit bigger bag or I can, I can usually like loop my jacket around on that bag and kind of tie the sleeves around the strap just to make sure it's secure. Um, but basically in that bag, I have a flashlight extra batteries, a knife, maybe calls, you know, depending on the time of year and maybe my Ozonics, depending on my setup. Um, you know, I've talked about another podcast. I typically am not carrying my Ozonics in to hunt with me. Like a lot of people do. I'm more playing the wind. Um, if I think I'm going to be pushing it or maybe I'm just trying to be super extra careful, I'll bring it, but I've, I've, I used to carry it every hunt, but I've kind of gotten out of that habit. I just, I don't feel like it's that needed if you're really playing the wind like you're supposed to. So anyway, so got my bag, got my bow, and I'm walking into my stand on a route that I've already picked out. And I've usually picked it out, honestly, before I've even hung my stand. I usually have that in mind while I'm hanging my stand. Uh, but I definitely have it picked out before I'm going in there to try to get to my stand. And again, I'm keeping that wind in mind. I'm keeping where I think the deer are bedded. Um, obviously where you park is going to depend on all that jazz. And, uh, 
And so I'm walking in on a route I've already picked out, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be the same route every time. You know, that may depend on what the wind is doing. Um, you know, I have some stands that I can hunt on different winds, and I may access them differently depending on what the wind is that day. And so that's something you also got to keep in mind. And so I walk to my stand. I try to walk you know, as quietly as possible. I try to make sure my stuff is latched down to where nothing's banging or clanking or anything like that. Um, you know, my stuff in my bag, uh, that bag has several pockets and I'll try to separate, you know, metal stuff or anything that might hit and make noise. I try to take care of, you know, beforehand, uh, I've used my, uh, my jacket or a net gator or beanie or stuff like that. I've like put stuff inside that to keep, you know, metal from hitting, and uh, just trying to be smooth and quiet. Um, if I can, I usually don't even use a headlamp. Um, you know, it's not worth tripping. If you're going in like deep timber, you need to use a light because it's better to know where you're going than it is to be stumbling around in the dark. I do believe that. Um, if I do use a light, I usually try to use like a red light. Um, sometimes that's not bright enough you know usually on a headlamp if it you know can do multiple colors a lot of times when you put like a red or a green on you know it's like a lens or a different smaller light and it's not as bright i'm not afraid to use my real light if i need to i really don't think it bothers deer that much um but i do try not to use it if i don't have to just because you know better safe than sorry so walking quiet got my all my gear you know latched down um using as little light as possible and I'll walk to my stand once I'm at the base of my tree or the ladder of my blind or whatever it is doesn't matter uh, I want to get up as quickly as possible I want to not spread a lot of ground scent there um, but you need to do it quietly and efficiently and so for me at all my tree stands I have a rope already there. I, I buy a rope for every tree stand that I have, every permanent stand. Um, I buy, I think they're $8. I buy them online. I think they sell the same rope at Academy. I'm sure they sell them at Cabela's or Bass Pro, whatever. But I buy one for every setup. So that way I don't have to sit there and fumble around in my pack and look for it and untangle it and all that stuff. I just keep one there at every tree. I clip my bow to it. And I climb up. Again, I got my little bag over my shoulder already, so I don't have to worry about clipping it on or anything. I just wear it. I climb the tree or the ladder or whatever it is. I get in, and this is where I have a little bit of variance depending on whether it is a morning hunt or an evening hunt. If it's a morning hunt and it's dark, I usually kind of get every, all my stuff situated before I pull my bow up. Uh, you know, I'll make sure I have my release. I'll kind of, I'll get anything out of my bag that I think I might need. You know, if I brought like a grunt tube, I'll get it out and put it in my pocket so I don't have to call, uh, dig through my bag if I need it. Um, all that type of stuff. And I'll get my bag situated. I usually have like a hook or a designated limb that I've already kind of picked out to put, to hang my bag on and I get it situated and then I pull my bow up and get it ready. That's a morning hunt. If it's an afternoon hunt, I get my bow up and get it ready as fast as possible, just in case, you know, something walks out super early. And so I'll, I'll keep my bag over my shoulder usually, or maybe sit it on my seat. I'll pull my bow up. I'll get an arrow on. I'll get my, uh, quiver off. Um, I use a clip on release, like a, you know, wrist free thumb release. And so I just clip it straight on my D loop. So it's there. I know where it is. I don't have to mess with it. 
I hang my bow on my bow hanger, and then I get all my stuff ready. Like I said, just in case. It's never actually happened to me, but just in case, because I know it will someday, and I know it'll be the time that I'm not ready, that you know, buck of a lifetime walks in super early right when you get there. And so I have my bow ready, and then I get all my stuff ready. And so that's really the only big difference between like a morning hunt and an evening hunt. Once I'm ready to go, that's pretty much it. It's just time for the hunt to start. Like I said, if it's a morning hunt, I'm usually trying to be completely set up, you know, bow ready, bag up and everything about 20 minutes before light. Uh, in the evenings, I pretty much just hunt till dark. I'll pack up my bag first and then my bow, uh, you know, kind of the reverse of what I did in the morning. Because, like I said, just in case that buck walks by at last light, I want to make sure I'm ready. And so if I'm bow hunting, I typically don't bring binoculars with me if I'm bow hunting. I have pretty good eyes. I'm actually a little bit far-sighted, if anything, so I see stuff, you know, far away pretty good. And uh, I just, I don't know, I, f I feel like I usually have a pretty good inventory of the bucks on my place. It's usually pretty easy for me to tell what's what. And, uh, you know, if one's close enough for me to shoot with a bow, I can see it good enough to know what it is. I'm more likely to bring my binoculars with me on a rifle hunt, you know, where I can reach out there farther and it may be harder for me to tell what it is or, you know, the rifle uh, during rifle season, it's, you know, usually kind of the tail end of the rut in Oklahoma. And so there may be a buck that I've never seen before show up and I want to be able to, to know what I'm shooting before I pull the trigger. And so, like I said, if I'm bow hunting, I usually don't bring my binoculars. If I'm rifle hunting, I do. Uh, that's different for everyone. You know, if your eyesight's not as good or, you know, some people just like to look at stuff through binoculars. And so if that's you go for it, like I said, part of the reason I don't bring them when I'm bow hunting is I can see pretty good and I, I don't want to be moving. I don't want to be moving if I don't have to. And so, um, I don't bring a book with me. I will, you know, like I said, y'all know I hunt a lot. I have been known to listen to a podcast or two while I hunt. Typically what I do then, I have a bad ear. Um, it was actually a hog hunting accident when I was like 16 or 17. Uh, buddy and I walked up on a hog super close. He pulled up and shot about six inches from my head. Not six inches, but, you know, really close to my head. And so I don't hear well out of my left ear anyway. And so I'll usually put uh, an earbud in that ear and listen to the – just have the podcast going in one ear. That way my good ear is open to listen for noises and, you know, footsteps or whatever. But – you know, deer are quiet creatures. You know, you usually don't hear them uh, walking up on you. And, you know, I feel like if one's grunting or something, I can usually still hear it out of my good ear. And so that's not for everyone. I know a lot of people wouldn't admit that, but I'm here to be honest with you guys. Like I said, you know, this last year, I think I sat 44 times. And so, you know, if you, let's just say an average, I sat three hours each time, you know, I didn't get to hunt in three hours each time, but let's just say I did, you know, that's like, you're talking almost 150 hours of stand time. And so for me personally, I feel like if I can get a little bit of entertainment, you know, to keep me hunting longer, I think that's worth it to me. And, you know, I think listening to something with some earphones, I think that's a lot less disturbing than reading a book or playing games on your phone where you're, you know, you're moving and you're looking down. Uh, you know, I can listen to a podcast and still have my eyes out in front of me. And so that's the reason I chose that over the other activities. So again, I'm being honest with you guys, just throwing it out there. All right. So you got to your stand, you hunted and, uh, more than likely you were not successful. That's one of the funny things about hunting more than not, you're going to be unsuccessful. Um, but you know, that's part of the game. 
And so, so it's time to pack up. And kind of like I mentioned before, the first thing I'll do is I'll pack my bag up and I'll leave my bow ready to go just in case something walks in at the last minute. I usually hunt till, you know, dark anyway, till it's past legal shooting light. Um, and then basically I just do the process that I did coming in. I do that same process coming out. And so I'll pack my bag, then I'll pack my bow up. I'll lower my bow down with my rope, climb down with my bag on my back, get down, unclip my bow as soon as I can, and get out of there. I don't want to hang around. I don't walk up, or I don't walk out into the food plot. I don't walk up to the feeder. I don't go check the camera. I don't do any of that. I I just get out of there as quickly as I can because more than likely, you know, if you're hunting, it doesn't really matter where you're hunting, whether it's a feeder, a food plot, or just in the timber, deer most likely are going to be more active at night. And so I'm trying to get out of there before that activity picks up. And so a lot of times I'm usually I'm taking the same path that I walked in out. And again, like usually, you know, usually after legal shooting light, there's still a little bit of light. And so it's pretty rare that I use a flashlight when I'm walking out. Usually there's enough light to where I don't need to do that. Um, I'm being quiet, being stealthy. Again, you know, I got my, my bag packed up to where nothing's going to, you know, cling or clang or anything like that. And I get back to the truck. I uh, put my stuff in the truck, and then usually I just kind of sit there for a second, kind of decompress, rest, you know, catch my breath if I've been walking a long way, and uh, and that's pretty much it, guys. Like, that ends the hunt. One thing I want to kind of throw out there is still be careful with your scent after the hunt because that's going to transition to your next hunt, especially if you're, like, in a in a camp or, you know, you don't get to go home and or you don't have a washing machine where you can wash your clothes. Uh, I feel like that is when a lot of people slip up with their scent control after their hunt is done before their next hunt. And so, you know, if it's cold or hot or whatever and I, like, shed a layer for whatever reason, um, a lot of times I'll try to, like, stuff it into my hunting bag or lay it on top of my bow. I don't just, like, throw it over in the front seat or throw it down in the floorboard. I try to watch out, you know, where I put that um, because more than likely, you know, most people, they go for a whole weekend, you know, especially if you have, like, a lease or something where you don't live. Um, you know, you're probably going to be wearing those same clothes in just a couple hours. Either, you know, if it was a morning hunt, you're going to wear them that evening. If, if it was an evening hunt, you're going to wear them the next day. And so watch your scent control after your hunt. I, I can't stress that enough. You know, if you're going to go back and wash them or ozone them or whatever, then you might not need to be as careful. But if you don't have that luxury, really watch what you do with your clothes. Um, you know, there's a huge argument out, the, out, uh, out there about smoke. Some people think, you know, wearing your clothes around the campfire is fine. Other people's don't. I don't really know where I fall on it. Um, I think I prefer not to. I prefer to get my hunting clothes off. I have a designated bag for them that's, you know, fairly scent-free. And then I change and then go out to the campfire and hang out with my buddies and eat dinner and all that stuff. I try to get out of my hunting clothes and then do that. Um, you know, some people don't think it's necessary. I just like to limit my scent as least as possible. You know, I, I am a firm believer that you cannot 100% get rid of your scent, but you might as well try, you know, it doesn't hurt to try. You're only going to do yourself good. Um, you know, taking care of your clothes and stuff. And that is a nutshell is a hunting day and the life of John. 
Uh, and even when I hunt other things, like that's still pretty much my, you know, if I'm going hog hunting, all those rules still, uh, still apply. Um, when I was on that bear lease, all those rules still apply. You know, bears can smell even better than deer. And so all that scent control stuff and all that prep work, like that's even more important if you're bear hunting and even duck hunting. Like my, my routine is pretty similar with duck hunting. Like I'm checking the wind because I want to know how I need to set up, where I need to put my decoys, what side of the pond or, you know, what shore I need to be set up on. And, you know, same thing. Like I wake up, I check the wind again. When I get there, I triple check the wind um, because, you know, no matter what you're hunting, the wind probably plays a role. Um, you know, even, like I said, even duck hunting, uh, you know, what way the birds are going to want to land if they have, you know, birds like to land into the wind, ducks like to land coming into the wind, use that force on their wings. Um, you know, upland hunting, even like, I don't know a ton about upland hunting, but I know the wind plays a little factor on how those birds are going to come up and take off. So repeating myself for the 80th time, just pay attention to the wind. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I had talking about it. It was even fun for me just, you know, kind of talking through it, thinking through it. And uh, I think it helped me hone down what I do even more, even more than I thought I had it honed down, just talking through it. And so, so yeah, I hope you guys have started, you know, thinking about all this stuff, you know, talking through it, thinking through it, picking out your stand locations, picking out your access routes, thinking about how you're going to pack your gear, thinking about how you're going to get into your tree, all that good stuff. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. Uh, please, 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 uh, you know, continue the social media presence. Uh, love getting the messages and the likes and the comments and all that good stuff. Uh, I've got to help a lot of people out already through those. And so check me out on Instagram and Facebook. And I think that is all I have. I feel like I had one more thing, but it's not coming to me. So I think I'm just going to let it all go. Once again, happy 4th of July, everybody. I will see you guys right back here next week on the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast.